Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, hello there, Super Ninfrendos. Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, episode 606. I am your host, Seth Macy. I am joined today by Pear Schneider. Good day. Good day to you. Industry legend, Kat Bailey. Hi, Seth. I'm rolling around at the speed of sound. <laughs> oh, man. And for the first time ever, Alex Stedman. Welcome. You know, first time, long time listener, first time voice chatter. Thanks for having awesome. me. Awesome. 
We're so excited to have you here because we today are going to be discussing a little critter by the name of Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, Alex, you did our movie review of Sonic the Hedgehog 2. You gave it a 7, which on the IGN scale is good. Would you please tell us a little bit about what you thought about Sonic the Hedgehog 2 opening theaters nationwide <laughs> this Friday? Yeah, so as you said, I gave it a 7. Um, I thought it was a really good kids movie. My biggest issue with it, which is what I put in the review, was honestly the human parts. I, there, I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but there's like a part where there's a wedding in Hawaii and it kind of turns into like a rom-com. But every time it was just like Sonic and Knuckles and Tails, I thought it was a complete blast. I love how they're animated. I love how they're voiced. I love that how they brought Colleen O'Shaughnessy to voice Tails from the games. So I think, you know, it has its flaws. I think it's a little too long. I think it bites off more than it can chew. But overall, I'm pretty positive on it. And I'm very much looking forward to the future of the franchise because I just want them to lean into you know, Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, and whatever other critters they can bring along along the way. Yeah, and, and probably not Dr. Robotnik if uh, Jim Carrey decides he's going to be re retiring after this movie because, you know, <laughs> career highlight. Yeah, that's right. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 as Dr. Robotnik. Pear, have you seen this movie yet? No, I've, I've seen the first one. I'm like, I'm never into... I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Um, but I, I just can't get into these like super zany CG character movies. Maybe, maybe I'm getting a little old there, but you know, my, my, my kids, when they're younger, enjoyed those. So I watched hundreds of thousands of them. Um, and just for it being Sonic the Hedgehog and finally, you know, we're, we're getting finally video game adaptations and maybe someday video game movies will be as big as comic book movies. We'll see. Um, just for that, of course, I'm going to watch it. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Kat? Have you seen it or are you planning to see it? Uh, I don't think I'm going to see it. I saw the first movie and mm -hmm. it was fine. Uh, I think that mm -hmm. it sounds like Sonic 2 doubles down a lot on what worked and what didn't work in Sonic 1. I really enjoyed what they did with Sonic. And I, of course, Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik, he's a living cartoon. So he was just <laughs> perfect casting, right? For the original Sonic. But Sonic 2, I mean... I thought the human characters were kind of a drag. The original movie was kind of a road trip movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why are you even here? I guess you make for an okay contrast with Sonic and everything. But so, yeah, like I'm just not interested in the human characters. And I think that I, how is Idris Elba? Yeah, Knuckles, I was going to ask. And how excited are you? <laughs> so for I the was Knuckles like, spinoff. I was like skeptical when I first started seeing like trailers and clips because I was like, oh, I'm not hearing Knuckles. I'm hearing Idris Elba because he doesn't try mm -hmm. to do like a voice. Like he's just right. being Idris Elba. But the thing is, like the way he introduces himself in the movie, and this isn't a spoiler to say, but like his introduction in the movie is just so intimidating and so menacing. And I, I think mm -hmm. Idris Elba like brings some sort of gravitas, but also Knuckles is so he takes himself so seriously that Idris like the longer you watch, the more you forget that Idris Elba is Knuckles and more Knuckles for me. <laughs> I think they're doing a, a really nice job with this series. I mean, obviously, they had a rough start when the first trailer came out, and oh, everybody freaked yes, out. Yes, they like, did. And for a moment there, it felt like one of those video game movies where the people making the movie somehow 
were able to get the rights and try to tap into nostalgia and are like missing the core points, right? Like making the character look like the character that we remember. And they, I mean, to their credit, they they turned it around. They got people back on board. They redesigned it. And I think that was really smart. Um, and with video game movies, a lot of times we still get this thing where it's like, it's like Prince of Persia, but, right? Mm. And it's like, it's like Uncharted, but. And video game fans go, well, that's not the character I remember. The main character looks so different. And you approach these movies with instant mistrust where it's like, they played it exactly right for this one. They made the poster look like the Sonic 2, uh, you know, arrangement, the way the characters uh, are standing with, with Robotnik in the back. Um, they brought back the voice of Tails, which I thought was just such a smart and nice touch. And, um, you know, as my sons are complaining with every new episode of the Halo show and like the guns oh, not sounding my exactly right and, and all of that, right? Like this, I, I, I just want to laud this series for really paying attention to the, the characters and, and, and fandom. Yeah. yeah, I felt like they did a lot of market research after the first trailer completely bombed and they were like, okay. We need mm -hmm. more video game references. And they were smart, I think, to start out with shots of Sonic doing the loops and everything and being like, no, no, this is Sonic. And I thought Ben Schwartz, is, he's just really, really good as Sonic. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe even better than Jaleel White. Whoa, so, yeah. that is a spicy cat take. That is a spicy have... take. He brings <laughs> a lot of energy to the role. Like, don't get me wrong, Jaleel White's amazing. But I, uh, I really like Ben Schwartz as Sonic. Jaleel White, I believe, has his own uh, like line of marijuana products now, so that might be why he wasn't living his best that. life. Good I mean, him. he is. He loves those chili dogs. Now we know why. <laughs> so, um, I'm curious. I, I didn't see the first one. My family saw it without me. I think I was sick that day or something. But uh, the human parts of you said those were the weakest, and I can obviously see why they don't overwhelm. Like it's still a. You still get your. Who are, who are the human parts for? I guess they're for the parents. We're like, look, okay, you parents. don't care about Sonic. They're for the budget. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I've obviously been thinking about this a lot. So for the first movie, it was kind of necessary to have humans because you're kind of trying to bring in the fans of the game while also bring in people who don't know uh, the game that well. And so James Marsden kind of added like mm. a more relatable element. But I think where it went wrong in the second one, not to the point where it ruined the movie, obviously, for me, because I still liked it and I still gave it a seven. But I think where they went wrong is they were trying to keep the continuity of this little cinematic universe that they had built. They were trying to keep that going. And I applaud that effort. It's a noble effort. But it's like at a certain point, we just want to like we're ushered in. We just want to see Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, and whatever else, whoever else they can bring in from the games. Right. I, I, Do you know what? I, uh, when James Marsden's agent called him and told him he was going to be playing the human, do you know what he said? It's no. the part I was born to play. All Thank right. you. All right. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Oh uh, <laughs> it, is, it is interesting, though, because I, I, I do think there, you know, obviously this kind of mix of live action and CG creatures is definitely an attempt to make sure more people go to theaters and see these movies because, you know, not all not all parents or, you know, all adults want to see all CG movies unless they got a Pixar stamp on it. And um, But it is becoming a convention now, right? Like if you think of 
Pokemon. Like we have not gotten a full CG Pokemon movie. Um, everybody's going the Roger Rabbit route with these movies. <laughs> Maybe the directors all big, you know, Roger Rabbit fans, and they want to do their own take on it too. But uh, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with Mario. Is Mario going to be like? He's like, ha ha, hoo hoo, and then he gets plucked into the real world, and he talks Pratt, like he so talks cool. like Chris Pratt, right? Like, and and so it's like Mario now stuck in real life, looking New York. Um, it's not I'm just gonna, odd. I'm just I gonna really say right not. now, they should recast, not throw out Chris Pratt, replace him with Oliver Platt. Now there's a oh, Mario. This is ever. terrible. <laughs> no, this is, this is a great idea. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Mario actually, because we we're gonna take a little. T- look at we're gonna we're gonna walk down memory lane to to the 1990s now imagine hmm. uh vanilla ice is just top the charts once again for the i think it was 100 straight weeks that's not that's not really true go ninja but, go ninja go oh that <laughs> it gets me hyped to this day um parachute pants were obviously very big literally and because actually no par- not parachute pants zubaz were very big and there was a little plucky little blue rodent are hedgehogs rodents i'm not exactly sure think some so. sort of mammal yeah. who just came out of nowhere and let us all know that mario was lame and we were all dumb mm. babies for liking him and came out as the number one rival to mario and the house of, that mario built with nintendo now cat do you have any fond memories of those those bloody console war days Oh God, yes! I love Sonic so much. I remember when I remember the original commercial with the the lady who was saying that that's Sonic, that's Sonic fella. I just don't know about him. He <laughs> he seems really bad. And Sonic was the blue dude with an attitude, right? Yeah. He was the contrast to Nintendo who or to Mario who was kind of a nerd. Yep. And so just immediately he set the tone for the the radical nineties, as oh, it were. He and was so radical. And but like just playing it on the Sega Genesis, it the music uh, used that FM chip so mm. wonderfully. Uh, the graphics really it played to the strengths of the Sega Genesis, especially like we like to laugh about blast processing and everything because it was just a meaning, meaningless buzzword. But in point of fact, the Sega Genesis did have a better processor than the original <gasps> it Super did. Nintendo. It was twice as fast. And oh, when no. Sonic was moving. <laughs> It looked really cool. It looked really impressive. So, um, and I loved the cartoons. I'll, I'll admit, I watched them both. I watched the Saturday morning one, and I oh, watched wow. the the weekday one. The, the weekday one hasn't held up very well, but Aww. it's it was a great time. I, I think the interesting contrast, Alex, is the movie Sonic is a lot more childlike and innocent, whereas the Sonic of that time mm-hmm. was. Um, I don't know. He had attitude, right? He was always making snippy comments. So why do you think they uh, toned him down? I think it's really because, and this is something that I kind of do respect about Sonic, the movies. They are so unpretentiously for kids. Like they are kids Mm -hmm. movies through and through. And I think that's why a lot of adults I know don't really care too much for them. You know, it's, they're, they kind of harken back to an era in the 90s where, you know, we weren't trying to make our inside outs as much as I love my heady Pixar movies, but it was very much for <laughs> kids. And so I think they're just trying to make something as kid friendly as possible. Although I do think I think Ben Schwartz has a little bit of a kid friendly Deadpool attitude to him a little bit. Yeah, I think that's I've, a good way to put it. 
I, re- I remember Sonic as the, the game that made me buy the Mega Drive or the, the Genesis. Um, when I lived in Japan, I, you know, I was, it was almost a full-time job playing all the Super Famicom games that were coming out every week. You know, as you know, that console was huge in Japan and just lots of great software. Things that sometimes didn't even come to the US, like, you know, the glory of Heracles and all these great RPGs. And so I saw the I saw the game running on a in Akihabara on a display. I'm like, holy crap. Like it just moved <laughs> so fast. It looked very different. Like, you know, there's something different in how the visuals look between a Super Nintendo and a Genesis too. And it was just too tempting. And I, I wanted to get one, but obviously it cost money. Um, mm. And uh, so I, I, I bought the Genesis and then I went half seas with my best friend on the CD as well. So we, we basically split the CD and we had joint custody. And, <laughs> uh, you know, so we, we played uh, Sonic CD as well. And I was immediately struck with how cool the feel was of running fast. I really liked the the character. I liked, liked the music. I was confused by how to get stereo sound out of the, the Mega Drive because you had to use that stupid headphone plug thing. But also I was kind of immediately became aware of some of the weirdness about Sonic where it was a game that encouraged you to run fast and then suddenly you ran into a spike and it was all over, right? Like it's like <laughs> the game... It was very much a, an early, like a Souls-like game where like you learn by dying, which was yes. not something, sorry, it was not something that Nintendo ever did, right? Like in Mario, you can see the platform you can jump to and you know if you can make it or not. Whereas like in Sonic, it was more like, well, you're just going to have to run fast. And if you die, you're going to have to remember it next time and jump earlier, right? Like, And... It, it was fun, but it's something that I never got over to the point where I always considered Mario to be the kind of the, the prime and Sonic to be the choice cut. And I didn't <laughs> buy into that like rivalry that these two were equal somehow. Yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting that Sonic was designed to specifically counter Mario. Like they're like, we need mm-hmm. a mascot. We need to make a game that's the, uh, the anti Nintendo. And so they designed a game and it actually worked like Sonic it worked and, i'm the same way i i i was i rapidly pro nintendo mm-hmm. obviously i was i would write letters to egm talking about how bad the genesis was because i was that kid <laughs> how much oh better gosh. super nintendo was and the C, you know um and then eventually you know i well uh, yeah it got me and it was sonic it was the pack-in game i plugged it in and i was like well i wish mm-hmm. i hadn't been so close-minded because this is actually awesome and i really enjoyed it it is really good and like i i want to you know obviously there was this whole backstory and there's some great documentaries uh uh, on it right like that whole backstory of engineering a mascot and then it it just became this frenzy where everybody wanted mascot games we talked a little bit about earthworm jim and the age of arrow the acrobat and all of those characters that are are now forgotten many of those games are actually pretty good underneath that kind of marketing veneer but Sonic, Sonic also felt different. It sounded different. Like the whole, like, the music yeah. <laughs> is so different from Mario, right? The sound of the rings became such an iconic thing. Like, oh, I, so I just, good. it's such a fun franchise. And it, it, you know, unlike Mario, which went into all the right directions over the years and stayed strong, it, it took some wrong turns. And, you know, obviously it recovered. Um, but I always had a, I, I was always very fond of it. Well, something I find really interesting about Sonic in that period is I feel like you look back at like early Nintendo protagonists like Mario, like Link, and they 
almost kind of acted like audience POV characters. They didn't have a ton of their own personality. Mm-hmm. But Sonic had so much personality, like to the point where like he had such a like a strong brand. And I think that was a really bold, but obviously a really smart move for Sega. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then they obviously it became so experiment, experimental for Sega, like Mario starring in his own like sports franchises and stuff. Sega kept on messing with it and, and you know, trying the CD route, trying the add-on cartridge route, like lots of cool little um, tech doohickeys to, to, to play around with, too. Well, it's because Sonic 3 was unfinished, so that was their... It was one of the earliest examples of a console expansion pack by there putting... You go. Just cut, uh, DLC, essentially, mm-hmm. was what Sonic & Knuckles was, and they were like, yep, okay... Yep. We'll fix Sonic 3. You get the proper version of Sonic 3. And then we also have Sonic and Knuckles. It was yep. it was a time because, of course, this was back in the time when you couldn't just download updates right. for console games. So those bugs were there forever. But. Yep. Yeah. And then it, remember co-op, split screen co-op <gasps> in a yes. game that moved this fast was pretty insane. Like that was something that I mentioned with the joint custody for the Sega CD. My friend and I played... Lots of Mario Kart and and co-op games like Goemon on on the Super NES and Sonic just had a really good move, really good co-op mode. It squished the screen and it didn't look that amazing, but like for it to run that fast, that that was a really good show of the Genesis hardware power there. Yeah, it had that that weird half pipe in the bonus levels that yeah. you used to run. I remember playing it with my brother and we would mm-hmm. yell at each other and, and have a, have a grand old time. I've actually yeah. never played Sonic three. So, uh, I, okay. It's yeah. weirdly hard to find. It never I, seems to show up in the actual collections. I wonder if it might be because of music rights. I was going to say, I think it has a lot to do with the, the music rights because allegedly Michael Jackson was involved with the, uh, with the music for that one. And that's a whole can of worms for that. Maybe. But, <laughs> Maybe Nintendo Online will come through with something unexpected. That yeah, would be nice. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I would I mean, like to we're... play Sonic 3 again. I've played Sonic 2 so many times at this point, which, oh, by the way, yeah. I love Sonic 2. But... Sonic 2 is so good. Yeah. yeah. I... I The thing that I think is interesting about the Sonic 2 movie and the quote-unquote Sonic cinematic universe that Sega is currently planning <laughs> is there was a period where Sonic had a, had a real fallow period i want to say the games were consistently kind of bad and people at least gamers were making fun of sonic a lot it was still Mm -hmm. popular with young kids um with certain aspects of the internet sonic was still very popular but it seems like sonic is having kind of a little mini renaissance Mm -hmm. these days sonic mania was excellent sonic frontiers looks like it could actually be pretty good and while i was going yeah like the, the sonic movies are fine which is a far cry from they could have been horrible and embarrassing, but instead they're just kind of entertaining, right? Like I would watch Sonic 2 on a plane or something. <laughs> yeah, and I'll double down that it's the the second actually good, the first Sonic is the second actually good video game movie after Detective Pikachu. Like that's like the bar is very low, but it meets the bar. Yeah, that is true. It does everything th- it really needs to do in terms of being a good video game music movie, right? Like snappy pace, real sense of place uh, when it comes to the the actual settings. It has a little bit of something for the game fans, has something for people who don't care about the actual games. And uh, the visual effects are pretty distinctive. Like even though Sonic, the actual CG is nothing particularly special. I think the art design for as much as we ragged about it when it was first revealed, 
actually turned out to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I think the characters look great. Yeah. It's it's really cool. I'm probably going to see this this weekend. I'm with my youngest son who when he was like 10 was in the Sonic community. I say that in quotes and then got sick of the Sonic community because they ruined or they just couldn't enjoy uh, Sonic. According to my son, please don't write me nasty letters, Sonic community. Oh, no. But <laughs> I think we need to talk. I mean, we've talked about how it was the biggest rivalry of the 1990s in video games. Like we, you know, you go onto any any message board or any even comment section where one console is mentioned. And of course, you're going to see people on the other side saying, oh, well, this your, your console's trash. Ours is the future. But in the 90s, man, it was completely mm-hmm. different. But you know what happened? A truce was called. A, a peace <laughs> treaty was signed by both. Well, I guess it was more of a surrender. But now uh, Sonic all of a sudden was hanging out with Mario. What is even happening? What? what which was it? Uh, Mario versus Sonic. Was that the first instance where the two were in the same game? Or was it? Uh, yeah, that was that was it, right? Smash Brothers came out. Smash Brothers Wii came out in 2008. And I remember that being, but like, I think Sonic had been on Nintendo for a while at that point. But as for actually being together with uh, Nintendo characters, I don't, I'm not sure when the first Sonic and Mario at the Olympic Games was. I remember there was a lot of controversy that Mario could outrun Sonic. (laughs) That was, oh, uh, yeah. That was discourse. (laughs) People are like, how dare they? How dare they? It's a fair criticism. (laughs) You know, it's true. Sega, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But now they're like they're bros and they just hang out and they punch each other off of uh, floating platforms in Smash Brothers. I can't overstate what a big deal it was to see Sonic in Smash Brothers on the Wii. Had all of that wonderful music, including music from the Sega CD game and everything. Mm. It was awesome. And I don't play a Sonic very much in the actual game or Mario for that matter. But I think that just having Sonic there feels right yeah as it were well yeah, and i also was- remember thinking like there is no limit to the characters that smash will put in these games like and at any time someone said like sora is impossible i'm like no, like sonic's in there like anything <laughs> yep. is possible for anything smash at possible. this point yeah it's i'm a little disappointed that we don't have a golden sonic amiibo because the sonic amiibo mm. is is one of the the first really great amiibo i actually have two of them uh because my dogs chewed my first one. Thanks. Oh no! Thanks, dogs. I have t- oh. I have two of them because I accidentally bought a second one. <laughs> <laughs> no, remember when there was this frenzy where it was really hard to pre-order yes. Amiibo and like oh, I yes. pre-order something and then later pre-orders would open up again and I'd be like oh I don't have I don't I don't have this one pre-ordered and suddenly I get two sent to me at the same time and I do have a mid-condition Sonic still in in box uh, probably you, worth at least fourteen dollars. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you can actually see my amiibo collection behind me if I duck a little Oh bit. yeah, there they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty I have good. A good. Yeah, I have a good Sonic in there. Nice. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. a collection. This is the this is the best yeah. amiibo right here. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, I yes. love that one. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's for such those a listening great design. Cat is holding up the uh the duck hunt dog and duck. Yep. Because it is, it is. I can't cool. swing my camera around because I'm in this room where it's attached to my monitor. Well, also you would need a wide-angle lens to get there. Yeah, there, 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 there are a lot of amiibo next to me. Obviously, I only and have three amiibos out, but they're the ones that I really like. I made them count. Yeah, I only yeah. have like 120. <laughs> no, what, me and my friends used to. 
we used to have amiibo wars where instead of playing each mm -hmm. other in tournaments, we would just train our amiibos and then have them fight. So oh, that's I excellent. grew to collect that's them. Awesome. Yeah. So the the time that uh, I I do remember the time when when Sega was running into choppy waters with a Dreamcast and the announcement came out and it was the phrasing was Sega will be platform agnostic. Do you guys remember that? Right. Yep. And then, you know, what was the first was Sonic Adventure 2 for GameCube, right? Like that was the very mm -hmm. first life sign. And then there was this kind of playful era where they tried everything. They went, um, there's a version of Sonic for Neo Geo Pocket Color, which was uh, really good, actually. Like uh, a lot oh. of like little experiments, you know, got PC. Obviously, Sonic Adventure was on GameCube and PC and all that. Oh, uh, there's yeah. that Sonic game on uh, the game.com uh, console. <laughs> At one point, Game.com was going to have everything, Resident Evil 2, all these games, and everything failed as people realized that was a piece of crap. This was back like in the, the day when just so .com bad. was so exciting. Oh, my gosh. The secret best Sonic <laughs> games in that era were the Sonic Ooh. Advance games, and okay. Ayako Kodama yeah. worked on them. Yeah. So, which was, I mean, of course, Ayako Kodama is a pioneer in the games industry, worked yep. on Fantasy Star and such, instead of Yuji Naka, actually. So, um, and those Sonic Advance games were really, really good and a lot of fun. There was a really good DS one as well, if yep. I recall correctly. And people kind of overlooked them because they were handheld games and they're like, but why is Sonic Unleashed so bad? And that yes. kind of thing. But yeah, I think that yeah. had a lot to do with it was that Sonic was in a real dark time. And everyone just overlooked the the fact that it could even be good. Like, how could that be possible? Never Sonic forget that so Bioware made a Sonic RPG. Oh my god, I forgot day. about that. Right, I this was in latter day Bioware either. That. This was peak Bioware when they were making Mass Effect. Oh, what a history Sonic is! <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm just which again glad. is is just as odd as Square making a Mario RPG. Right? Like, it's it's really interesting to see these parallels. Yeah. And, you know, we got pinball games for both franchises, everything. Yeah. Like Mario and Sonic have been everything. I want to see will be everything. Uh, Sonic versus Samus and just have them roll up into balls and go flying into tubes and stuff. I think that's Well, a you can game. boot up Smash Brothers right now. Well, I mean, that. I mean, I'm at a game around just... really slow as Samus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad Sonic was able to pull it together. And come out with two successfully and successful and entertaining movies, which is like, hey, good for you, Sonic. Because I don't, I'm gonna say it right now, I don't have a lot of faith in the Mario movie. I don't. Yep. Think it's oh, I don't. Be very good. No, I think it'll be good. Really? I think that. I hope it is. Yeah, I think Nintendo oh, yeah, is incredibly. I hope it is for sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the original '90s Mario movie Ugh. maybe Not is good. ingrained on all of our brain, and maybe kind of suggests that maybe this Mario game will be very good, but. It seems like Nintendo is heavily involved in this one and maybe feeling more protective of the Mario IP than it was at the time. Because mm. if I recall correctly, the original 90s Mario movie was like, hey, do you want to do a movie? And Mar Nintendo was like, okay, sure. Good luck. And then when it came out, they were yeah. like, oh, this is oh no, this is not good. Oh, my God. <laughs> so maybe they learned a hard lesson at the time and now they're way more protective of the actual properties. So they, they're think about it. Like protective. they probably Nintendo back then, especially, you know, the game designers in Japan probably felt like, you know, almost flattered that people like Dennis Hopper were going to be cast in a movie based on one of their franchises, right? Like he was a huge star of the seventies, really, really well known in Japan for his war movies and all of that. And, 
I, I think they were like, oh my God, this is, this is serious stuff. This is not a, you know, a kid's movie. And then, yeah, when they saw the final product or maybe even during the development, they said, Oof. this isn't it. But I mean, Illumination is, Illumination movies make dough. Yeah, but like they know they know how to make money. They may but, annoy us sometimes with yes. their squeaky yellow little uh, little, little folks. Um, yeah, what, what, that's what when it, that movie was announced, as we call them. My kids were like, "Oh, it's exciting!" And then they found <laughs> out it was by Illumination. They're like, "Ah, oh. oh, really? Yeah, yeah. They yeah. actually knew. Okay. Oh, yeah. They're very media savvy. That's also, interesting. my oldest. I thought the 18, kids liked so. minions. Are the minions yeah. not cool anymore? No, 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 no. My kids were just like at the age. Where minions were not appealing to them. Minions were when they when they hit were appealing to people between the ages of zero and four, and like forty and two ninety. Yeah. Like that. No, was but it. but but they, you know I call I call them demon spawn, but they are the main. They have tremendous mainstream success, and that mm -hmm. kind of like confused little idiot lemmings thing worked really well, right? <laughs> like it. Um, God, I loathe those movies. Um, but but they but they make money, and they they yeah. definitely they're designed to be appealing to a certain demographic that will see those movies over and over, and you know obviously young kids. And yep. but Illumination is technically really good. I, I honestly, sure. I I have high hopes for this. I think this could be really good. It's so, so weird though, because Sonic has a track record of mm -hmm. voice acting. Right, Ben Schwartz can look at Julia White and go, "Okay, this is how it should sound." What is Chris Pratt as Mario going to sound like? Captain really Albano, obviously. There's no way it's going to be good, right? It's yeah. probably going to be really bad. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that. I honestly think it'll be one of those things where it sets up Mario sounding like Charles Martinet, and then he gets sucked into the real world, and suddenly he talks like normal people. It's like they're just doing Detective Pikachu again. I think. I agree. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be reverse Jumanji, essentially. Yeah. Like, like I don't <laughs> like, mm -hmm. but like I can't see Chris Pratt trying to do a really bad Italian no, accent. I just don't think that's happening. Did they? Um, Illumination did like Secret Life of Pets too, right? Yeah, I, I like the, the yeah. I like the Secret I Life so. of Pets series. Yeah. Actually, it's yeah. cute. And Despicable Me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. They have a formula, like and they make a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yes, that formula funny. is to just get paid. And one thing mm. to be said about CG movies that is, I think, very different from live action filmmaking, and and one reason why why I actually think most high profile CG movies are actually pretty good is that they create cinematics, they build the entire movie with janky visuals, and they test it, and they try it, and they recut it until they render the full thing. And they always have the benefit of getting the voice actors back and, and doing a, a quick pickup here or there, which is something that when a director makes a live action movie and, and it's not working, it's very difficult to fix. That's you know, true. Reshoots are very expensive. And with CG movies, they have the entire thing in the can before they even record some of the lines in some cases. Right. So yeah. I, I, I think, I think we'll, we'll get something good. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure that the first algorithmically generated movie will be a minions movie. So it'll just follow a very <laughs> I think simple so formula. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Make lots and lots of money, but minions. This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was 
kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with, like, Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. We, well, we're going to talk about video games now, again, not video game movies, because Nintendo of Japan quietly added some new Splatoon 3 screenshots to the Splatoon 3 website. No big deal. Here you go. By the way, we wanted to remind you that it's uh, that they still exist. And um, one of them is holding a knife for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well... Just not what we expected. Have you guys Octopia, ever seen that? Very scared. Have you guys ever seen that vine where like the kid is running and his mom is like, "What do you have?" Yes. He's like, "A knife." <laughs> it's huge that energy. Oh god, I love I love the Splatoon world so much. It's honestly yeah. it's probably my favorite universe now in in Nintendo. Dumb, hmm. just the the stupid like the the fuzzy now it's going to be all nasty furry creatures right because it's the mammalians uh oh yeah it, it, it's weird cyberpunk futuristic stuff with squid and fish creatures and giant nasty white-eyed salmon zombies and now they're adding mammals to it and uh, and everything is going to be gross and furry on top of being uh you know, yeah, it's like those uh, Xbox and, and things. It's gonna yeah. be great. 
Who doesn't um, want slime, some ink, and some fur? That's a great yeah. thing for all of those. <laughs> and for me, the star attraction is always Salmon Run. I really had a good time playing that in co-op, um, way longer than the competitive modes. Um, and, you know, the fact that they're they're showing us screenshots of Salmon Run specifically um, gives me hopes that they're putting a, a, a bit of work into making it even better. I mean, yeah. that was what, what they focused on in the last, like, gameplay look mm-hmm. at it. In the yeah. So I think there's going to be a lot of work into that. I mean, there is a giant salmon Godzilla with chains in this game. <laughs> how, can, how can it yeah. not be awesome? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is Salmon Run exactly? Because I never played that mode. I always play so- the competitive modes. It's a co-op horde mode where you're trying to, well, you're trying to get, basically, you're playing a little game of basketball at the same time. You're trying to retrieve these eggs and put them all in a basket and you can toss them to each other in order to make it. And then you're constantly being attacked. It's like set on an island always. You're constantly being attacked by these salmon creatures um, with various nasty technological contraptions and barfing bile and all that stuff. It's (laughs) <laughs> it's like a really stressful co-op mode against um, against AI opponents. Wow. I have another it's... very important question. Okay. Are you a squid or are you a kid? <gasps> Ooh. You're a squid with a kid. Squid. squid. Kid. I mean, <laughs> why not both? Dot. Hey. Oh my gosh. They're all both. Yep. The thing I find interesting about Splatoon. Yeah, I think it's the coolest Nintendo franchise. Yes. Right yeah. And it is effortlessly cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the fashion, the music, the art design. I love the the high-rise apartment buildings. The world, the world building is just lovely. And I think that there's a high potential for cringe for a mm-hmm. very uh, traditional company like Nintendo to try to make something that is cool. And yeah. the sense of like kind of younger millennial zoomer kind of sense. And instead, like, I think that Splatoon is just wonderful to look at. I love it so much. And I picked the inkling in Smash Brothers in part because I like the music and the art and just the vibe of Splatoon just that much. There's some, some there's a, like a pureness about the design to it. Like, you know, it, it yeah. looks like in sometimes, sometimes it looks like Japan, obviously it has its own script and all that, but it like, it's clearly based on, you know, kind of like the Asian metropolis kind of look. But then the, the fashion, the, the fashion is almost like Harajuku like style, right? Where, um, I, I think people would buy the T-shirts. Like, if these T-shirts oh, yeah. that you can yeah. use in the game existed, I think they would actually be really successful. How does Uniqlo because not have a deal with Splatoon <laughs> already? They, yeah, I, they've done some stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's just the style is really cool, and then I have to say, it is probably the most refreshingly awesome music Nintendo mm-hmm. has done in the last decade. It just it has a sound that is unmistakably. Um, Splatoon, just like when you heard, heard a Mario track in the 90s, um, you knew it was Mario. Mario, it's, yeah. I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a big Splatoon fan. The only thing that always counters my excitement is that I run out of time to actually get that great at the uh, at the competitive multiplayer modes. Mm. But um, I, and I, I really, really love the co-op and the single player too. 
Yeah. Well, Kat, I think a, you brought up a really good point about like there isn't a hint of like hello fellow kids about Splatoon, yep. <laughs> which I like a lot. And Seth, you brought up the word cyberpunk. I think there's a bit of like what I like about it is it meshes like so many different styles that it's not trying to copy one thing. It's yep. trying to it takes inspiration from a lot of things and makes a very distinct look. Yeah, it's I'm Splatoon is stylistically probably my favorite Nintendo franchise. I remember when they announced this game and we were all like, what is, what even is this? Like squids that shoot each other with ink. That is so weird, but it's so wonderful. I like the style of this game and the aesthetic of this game. I don't want to say I don't like the game because I mm -hmm. love the game. I just don't play the game very much, even though I love everything about it. I, I don't understand why it's a, it's a real problem that I have, but I think, you know, I can, I can put in the good effort. We'll you know, Seth, during yes. PAX East, NBC will be hosting a panel celebrating 10 years of the Nintendo Wii U. Interesting. And for my money, Splatoon is the single best thing to come out of the Wii U. New I, Nintendo hmm. franchise that was a really smart rethink of the shooter genre. Yes. In a perfect Nintendo kind of way. And to me, Splatoon is the lasting legacy of the Wii U. Yeah. That's I think take. that is 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, a I'll, wonderful take. I'll say I, I would agree with that. I would put it at the top and second to that Nintendo land. There was something that Wii U did really well with multiplayer. Like it was Nintendo finally figuring out how to do a good online game. And Splatoon's genius lies in how how the game's visuals communicate whether you're beating the opposition or not, right? Like literally taking over territory and seeing the level like laid out in front of you in a certain color going like, we are ahead or oh, oh no, we're trailing. It's just so great. Um, but yeah, Nintendo Land was the other one where it's like this asymmetrical multiplayer experience that you really couldn't do on any other platform. And yeah, honestly, they haven't done since. I like Nintendo Land a lot. What mm -hmm. can I say? I wish they would bring it back but they're bringing back splatoon with splatoon 3 uh, also nintendo of america tweeted out a big thread and i was reading through it and i was like we, we knew all this who is this for nintendo mm -hmm. of america they're like you're a squid and a kid and you shoot ink and that's how you get your power and it's really colorful tune in in 2022 i was like oh come on we already knew all this stuff so nintendo's just letting us all know after softening, or the, maybe they're trying to soften the blow of uh, Breath of the Wild, but Splatoon 3 still exists. Maybe we'll get a direct. <laughs> maybe they'll make an announcement. I don't know. As soon as we stop recording this episode, like last week when E3 was canceled during recording <laughs> the episode. So, Summer would um, be a great time to release Splatoon 3. If yeah. They're actually yeah. planning on releasing it then. So it feels like a summer game. It's a summer yeah. game. You're yeah. sure. Splatoon 2 came out in the summer last time around. So. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm really looking forward to Splatoon 3 and I'll just enjoy it while my son plays it and <laughs> I'll just enjoy it aesthetically on a technical level. I really like it. So let's talk about what's out this week. MLB The Show 22 is on the Nintendo Switch as well as other platforms, but who cares about those? I played MLB The Show 21 last year for Mm, I never got out of the minor leagues, but that's okay. Kat, have you any experience with MLB The Show 22? Yeah, I've been playing MLB The Show 22 on Switch. Uh, for context, I've been playing MLB The Show since the days of the PlayStation 3. Whoa. So, and I think last year's version was the one that I put the most time in because uh, MLB The Show, I think out of almost any sports game, has the highest learning curve just because there's... 
it's so hard to learn how to hit. And last year's version really put a lot of advantage toward the pitchers. So it was a struggle. <laughs> I, I think it's a struggle to learn the timing and everything. But um, this year adds some quality of life improvements and whatnot for hitters uh, to be able to have an easier time to be able to hit the ball. Um, if you're if you haven't played MLB the show in a couple of years, it's a lot of kind of basic mm. refinements this year. This is a very refinement oriented year. But mm. as for just to introduce MLB the show to switch owners who might not be familiar with it, for my money, it's the best sports game like right now. Whoa. Yeah. I, I think it's better than FIFA or Madden or NHL. And the and, reason that I say that oh. is that MLB the show is really well connected between all of its modes. So if you play Road to the Show, you're making progress in Diamond Dynasty, which is its card collecting mode. Diamond Dynasty is a card collecting mode. It's microtransaction driven, but it's actually surprisingly easy to get together a really high quality and fun team. The grinding is actually really well balanced, a lot of fun in MLB okay. the Show. And the mechanical nuance, it's one of the, out of all of the simulations, for my money, MLB the Show is the most, kind of the truest to its sport. And baseball fans will nitpick it and be like, well, what about of this course. problem? What about that mm -hmm. problem? But consistently every year, MLB the show at least resembles its sport in a way that like say FIFA really does not. Mm. And the Switch version of MLB the show is feature complete. It does not look very good, honestly. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's very uh, blurry it's, compared to yeah. say the PlayStation 5 version, but we're talking about hardware from like 24 pre 2014 kind of hardware right the, yeah. mm -hmm. the switch is worse than the base ps4 so i kind of give it a pass it loads fine frame rates are like fine um i've been playing road to the show which is it's superstar kind of mode where i make a character and i'm just i'm playing through the minor leagues uh it's a little hard to use the joy con to be able to move the, the little pitching icon around but beyond that like I can just get a, a pro controller, but I've been just chilling out on my couch and periodically playing quick games of road to the show. And the fun thing is you'll play a game. It'll take like five, five, maybe 10 minutes to get through a game in road to the show. And it can be very addictive, very fast. The next thing you know, you're in the majors. So I, I love that. We, we talked about how weird it was that Sonic made the jump from a Sega console to a Nintendo one. <laughs> this is a Sony franchise yeah. this yeah. is literally the mlb the holders of the license saying hey we don't like platform exclusivity we you have to branch out and so sony bringing you know i i'm i'm sure begrudgingly bringing this franchise to xbox and nintendo it's just a a thing that i don't think anybody could have predicted no but it's good for sony because this game actually makes a lot of money Yep. And they make it off Diamond Dynasty with all of the microtransactions and such. So the more platforms, the better. The other reason is that, so there was the RBI baseball games that were multi-platform that was developed in-house by, I believe, MLB Advanced Media. And they were bad. They were mm. very, very bad. Don't, don't ever play RBI baseball. So finally, MLB just threw up its hands and said, let's put the good baseball guy, game on everything. You have yep. to do that now, Sony. <laughs> And yeah. can you imagine the call to Nintendo from like, yeah, uh, yeah, hello, this is <laughs> PlayStation. Um, we, <laughs> like who? What, 
<laughs> what a, why, why are you calling? <laughs> Hang out. Um, no, it's just such a weird thing. Like this is Nintendo's yeah. main rival in the software and, and hardware market, right? And um, there, there's obviously a lot of history behind the failed partnership that led to the PlayStation. And like, it's so funny to see them as the publisher. None of the advertisements, by the way, push the angle of who the publisher is, which is funny. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. But uh, the other thing is interesting is to contrast this with how EA handled FIFA, which was they put out a version for the Switch, which was not as good. And so it was kind of not worth playing if you were really into regular console FIFA. Whereas MLB The Show, again, is feature complete and has cross-play and cross-save. So you could theoretically play some Road to the Show, upload your save to the cloud, and then hop onto the PS5 and play from there. It's good. Like, Sony San Diego, they did not mess around with this version. They put a lot of effort into it. And so even though it's, you know, limited, it's excellent. That's really surprising to hear and it's yeah, great yeah. to hear actually which uh which minor league team are you are you playing i'm playing for the arizona diamondbacks uh team because i just said sure throw me on to whatever team you want to throw me onto. that's ryan mccaffrey's favorite team yes uh, it is for the, for the record so and it had uh oh my god the pitcher uh what, his name is escaping me now he was eight feet tall and he killed a bird uh, oh, Randy Johnson. His, Randy Johnson. Yeah, one of my favorite The greatest gift of, of all time was when, when, when the oh, bird no. went, boo. Yeah. Oh, man, that <laughs> Poor was bird. legitimate. Oh. I'm excited to play this. Uh, the Until last year, the, the last time I played a baseball game was, I think, Triple Play, like 2000 on Nintendo 64, which was real, real bad. And uh, – the only thing that I'm worried about, and we talked about this a little yesterday, Kat, is how hard it is to get into sports games if you haven't played the last five years of that sports game. And I think that's a little bit what turned me off last year, or yeah, with it last year. And I couldn't get out of the, I couldn't get out of the minors. Uh, I was probably about to get kicked out of the minors. I don't know if that happens. They just tell you to like go back to being a carpenter or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm Here, I'm going to give it a shot. Tip. Mess around with the cameras. Okay. Go to the strike zone offset camera. That makes it so much easier All to right. actually hit the ball. So. Well, I've just like sports games overall have just become so impossible to get yeah. into. And I, oh, they're very to... complicated. Yeah. That's why I liked games like Pocket Car Jockey and that kind ah, of thing. Yes. They interesting, <laughs> but very accessible. And yeah. just like a tiny digression. I like RPGs. I wish sports games were more like RPGs or visual novels because Mm, I like the story aspect. But these games all want to be simulations. They're all chasing to be as realistic a representation of their actual sport as possible. And I'm like, no, make Final Fantasy, but it's a sports game. That's what I want. (laughs) Or Pokemon, but it's a sports game. Well, the thing is, too, like about like baseball it's such a precise sport like the sport mm-hmm. itself i can imagine how hard it would be to pick up one of these games like i'm not a big sports game person i played madden growing up but that's about it like i can imagine how hard it would be to like nail down the precision yeah what whatever happened to the sequel to golf story oh, oh yeah i think it's still Where in did development that go? yeah yeah there there you go there's your rpg sports game right like, yep. the thing is i don't necessarily want silly sports Right. Except for pocket car jockey, which is amazing. But <laughs> I want, I wouldn't mind like realistic sports just with more of an RPG vibe. There's a, a mobile game that's a little bit like football manager, but you are kind of role playing as a manager who is really burned out on life. And there are 
kind of cutscenes in between where he's smoking a cigarette and he's with his bird and he's being very existential. And then he goes and actually plays, uh, actually manages soccer games. That's what I want. That's what I want. All right. Good game. Well, developers, if you're listening, please bring cats RPG, baseball please. RPG meets Final Fantasy to life where you can trade baseball players with your friends and, and breed them <laughs> and make them grow stronger. Every day. <laughs> <Breed> <laughs> Moving along, uh, House of the Dead also came out this week. Uh, Taylor Lyles reviewed it, gave it a 7. Uh, 13 Sentinels is out. And then today we found out that next week, Mario Golf for the N64 is hitting the Nintendo Switch Online expansion. That's another sports game that I never played because I didn't know that Mario Golf games were fun because I just figured they're golf. So they're- I actually no, had a lot of fun really with that fun. as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good game. Yeah. It's it's just it's not that notable because we've gotten updates and sequels since then, right? And mm-hmm. you you can play more modern takes on it, but it's still a really good game. So for nostalgia's sake, it's definitely worth going back. Well, I don't have nostalgia for it though. I never played it. Will I enjoy it? Will I find it fun? N64 nostalgia. Like, oh, you know, see. seeing how it all started, the early, you know, like Camelot was a just was a really great developer that did something different with Mario games. And so you can go back for some history. All right. I'll do, do it, it for the, for the history. Of Thank it. you. But I won't, I can't promise I'm going to enjoy myself. That's not true. I love history. History is great. Video game history, world history. It's all a whole heck of a lot of fun. Uh, Mario golf. That was the last one. Oh yeah. The last one wasn't that great, right? The what one that came to switch. It? I forgot. Oh I yeah, gave it like a last five year. or something. Or was that Mario Tennis? No, it was Mario Golf. No, Mario Tennis Aces came out like when in 2017, and I think Super Mario Rush. Golf. We gave it. Um, da, 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 da. We gave it a six. Yeah. 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 It, I did like the. I did like the. Obviously, multiplayer is always the attraction, and like, um, literally, you were rushing from from T to T, and that was fun. But yeah, it, it just wasn't as full featured as people would um, would have hoped for, right? That 3DS strikers is good. Yeah. Yeah. 3ds was great the 3ds one is, is super mm-hmm. good and i i love playing it yeah when you, when you do good <laughs> it doesn't like to be encouraged <laughs> see you have nostalgia then is, is it nostalgia that game oh, i guess that game came out like 10 years ago huh yeah yeah i just remember social media like everybody who was in gaming was just all they were talking about was like beating each other's scores on uh mario golf for the 3ds at the time and i was like well i gotta get on this but I didn't work in games at the time, so I didn't get to play with anybody. None of my friends wanted to play with me. So, Cat, do you have a cat take for this week, or are hmm? we moving? Past? I have a double cat take. Whoa! I didn't know if you're going to have any, and you doubled down. This is why you're the industry legend. Cat take number one is uh, you should buy 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, which was an outstanding game, and I'm really happy that it's coming to the Nintendo Switch and. Uh, they'll read our reviews and everything. I don't have anything else to say about that, but that's cat take number one. I think cat take number two is I'm pretty sure that Kirby in the Forgotten Lands is the best Kirby ever made. Ooh. And the reason that I say this is that I actually, as you know, for my last week's cat take, I really enjoy Kirby games. I like Kirby's Dreamland and Kirby's Adventure and Kirby Superstar, especially the older school Kirby games. Every once in a while, they come out with a real gem, but Kirby in the Forgotten Land, first of all, it's gorgeous, like in the art direction kind of way, right? Where we were talking about how the graphics aren't amazing, the draw distance can be a little weird, but 
every level is so rich and so packed and so much fun to look at. It takes a lot of the classic Kirby elements and goes ahead and expands upon them like the mini games. Uh, and it feels like it, it's my favorite thing in a video game, which is I feel like I'm constantly being surprised. It keeps mm. throwing out something that just makes me laugh with kind of joy and wonder. The, the, the mouthful mode is an absolute delight and some of the best physical comedy that I've seen in a video game. <laughs> and they have something different every single time. And to me, it just seems like they took the Kirby formula and thought about it really hard and then created just this absolutely delightful experience. We, we've already talked a bit about Kirby in the Forgotten Land, but if you haven't, try it out. But I, I don't know. Like I think that looking back over 25 years of Kirby history, I'm not sure that Kirby has ever topped Kirby in the Forgotten Land. So I'm curious, do y'all agree? Is this the best Kirby? Ooh. I don't know if that's that hot of a take, though. Because, like, <laughs> like, I Kirby's feel like Adventure a... is one of the best yeah, Nintendo yeah, games. Yeah. It was an amazing game, actually, and maybe yeah. a little underrated. But I think as we settle in with this game more, I just keep on seeing... I have not played it myself yet, but all I see are raves. Like, all, like, all my Kirby fans are freaking out. So I mm. think as this game settles in, it could have a real legacy. Yep. Yeah. What do you yeah, think, I'm with Cat. Uh, so, uh, look, I've, I want to finish it. And, you know, you guys know the caveat is that Kirby is not my favorite Nintendo franchise. There at least I would probably list 10 um, before I, I jump to Kirby, but I always enjoy the games. Um, and I, I really like what they've done so far. I really love how how very Kirby this game is. They really <laughs> doubled down on what made Kirby different from Mario, right? Yeah. I think yeah. the mark of enjoyment, the, the reason I know Kirby this Kirby is good is I never go for collectibles. I don't care about collectibles. I don't have that need to, that completionist need to be able to get everything. And when I'm playing Kirby, I just naturally want to explore around and go look for all of the possible collectibles because it's just that much fun. It really makes it rewarding to explore because you never lose that sense of momentum. You never feel like you're pixel hunting. Um, Finding the collectibles is its own reward because you get often very fun content as a result. Like when you're in the amusement park level and you go into mouth bowl mode and you eat one of the roller coaster cars and now you're all suddenly on a roller coaster and it's a lot like Sonic. It's actually kind of like Sonic. It reminds me of the half pipe, right? And I'm just like, oh, this is wonderful. What a wonderful thing to discover. So, Yeah, I I think it's wonderful too. I haven't played it nearly enough, but uh, if, if you haven't played it at all and you want to try the demo, the demo does a very poor job of, of showing just how awesome Kirby is. I mean, I'm not saying that like the demo is bad. It's very fun. It's very charming, but when going from the demo to the full game, I was like, Oh wow, there is just way more that they didn't even touch on whatsoever. And not because like they were holding it for surprise, but just the demo was a little too self-contained. I thought it was charming and whatnot, but the actual game is just, yeah, I agree. This is probably the best Kirby game. I love when you get the, the ice power and instead of like walking, now you're skating and instead mm -hmm. of jumping, you're pirouetting into the air and landing. And I love that you can evolve them. Yes. And you can turn Kirby into like a Katamari. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah. I think it's... Kirby in the Forgotten Land is as good as Super Mario 3D World. Oh, like, wow. I think it's on now that that's level. a spicy take. You right think so? There. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, 
I, yeah, we don't tend to put Kirby on the same pedestal as Mario, but it reminds the, the two remind me a lot of one another. And I feel like mm-hmm. Kirby took a lot of lessons from Super Mario 3D World, but I think it's even cleaner and more focused while retaining its identity. It's, it's mm. delightful. Yeah. I'm interested to see what the next Kirby is. We already know that it's probably not going to be 3D, which is kind of a bummer because I, I think that with the what they've set here with uh, Forgotten Land is something that they could like Kirby could could be the next Mario as far as just absolute quality and, and, and timelessness and you know one of the the all time classics for the Switch which I think Forgotten Land will be remembered always as and like I I also love the physical comedy when I first ate the stairs and I was just like hobbling around as a giant set of stairs and falling on enemies like yeah. It's it's so wonderful. So thank you for that awesome cat take. Now let's talk about what we have been playing. Hey, surprise, I played a little bit of Kirby, but I didn't play enough. And the reason is nobody wants to know, but I started playing Gran Turismo again because I have a steering wheel now. And oh boy, I spent a million credits on the fastest car in the game. And I did the Nürburgring in five minutes and 15 seconds. By the way, the all-time world record for the Nürburgring is five minutes, nine seconds. So this was me... And this was me crashing into the walls many times because it goes 300 miles per hour. I'm going to stop now. Pear, what have you been playing? I put Gran Turismo on, on pause. And by the way, the next Kirby game clearly is going to be a Kirby cooking game uh, based on the Kirby Cafe in Tokyo. I, I, know that. <laughs> um, n- no, I, I put Gran Turismo on hold. Um, I've, I've got uh, Triangle Strategy and Kirby going at the as, uh, always going at the same time, as well as always playing a Picross game, as you know. Of but course, really yes. my most of my attention is on Tunic right now. So I'm, I'm, it's Nintendo. I'm cheating, but it is going to come to Switch eventually. We all know it. There's no, there's a, it is the most Nintendo game uh, that I've I've played on another platform in a very long time since Astrobot, maybe. Mm. Um, and uh, it's just delightful. It's like it's like a classic The Legend of Zelda game with some Metroid Dread level deadly bosses thrown in. And there's just the, the less you know about how the game unfolds and how the the manual there it has a digital in-game manual, how it interacts with the game, the better. Um it's part of Game Pass. So if you have an Xbox, definitely play it there because I'm sure the Switch version is gonna not look as good, but it would be so right at home on Switch. It's like it's like Link to the Past level material. It's that good. Whoa. All right. I guess so I better, good. I, I better install this then. Kat, what have you been up to? Well, since Alex is here, I'm going to talk a little bit about TV because I haven't had enough, enough time to actually play video games, um, except for MLB The Show. Alex, I finished The Expanse. Did you watch The Expanse? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. You have to watch it. I it's know amazing. everyone. Everyone who watches it is like, please watch it. And I'm like, I will. Okay. If you haven't watched The Expanse, it's a sci-fi show. It's like hard sci-fi. It's based Ooh. on a series of novels, and it's very confusing in its first season and a little dry. And I can totally understand if people don't get into it, but give it at least a season because it starts to pick up momentum by the end of the season. You kind of understand who the the players are, the world. And then you're just, it just keeps going up and up and up. It's excellent. The final season finally aired, um, I think last year, but we've been slowly but surely, we finally had an opportunity to watch it. Still haven't finished Book of Boba Fett, but it's just as good as always. The only bummer is the end of The Expanse 
is very crammed together. Like they ran out of time. Mm. I think there are like hmm. two more books that they could theoretically adapt. And so they're just trying to get through as much as possible. And ultimately, I think they stick the landing. I think it's still very good. And I was satisfied with the ending, but also I was wanting more. Since I know that Amazon Prime's executives listen to Nintendo Voice Chat, <laughs> I'm just going to say, uh, Jeff Bezos, renew, give us another season of The Expanse. Just one more. Yeah. Cat wants, I mean, Cat wants the Expanse expansion kit. Yeah. <laughs> DLC or movie. I would take either one. But The Expanse is the best sci-fi show since at least Battlestar Galactica. So wow. if you haven't okay. watched it, watch it and give it a proper season to really enjoy it because it is worth it. And that's what I've been watching. Very wow. cool. I'm gonna have to check that out. Alex, yeah. have you been playing anything or do you have any So TV I actually, shows? I mentioned this earlier that I have kind of an informal smash community. So I've been training for oh, nice. an informal competition lately. Oh my uh, my, I'm a Yoshi main, but I'm trying to get good as Sephiroth, even though that's very different for me. I'm not much of a heavy character person. Um, but otherwise, I'm going to just double up on the IGN podcast love for Severance. Uh, I know the Beyond podcast is a big fan of it. So, yeah. What is Severance? <laughs> I know I nothing still watch about that. it. Oh, it's on Apple TV Plus, which I lovingly oh, call the Ted Lasso right. channel. Um, <laughs> but it's like really, it's like a very high concept workplace thriller. And that's all I will say. I think the rest is best discovering it on yourself. And I think Dita Jackson called it a an apology for Parks and Rec. And so I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. I love Parks and Rec. <laughs> but, by the <laughs> way, yeah. not yeah. to get too into the TV weeds, but I actually think Apple TV Plus is quickly becoming a place for for really consistently great programming. I'm, I'm yeah. surprised how good most of the, the shows they have are now. Just outside of Ted Lasso was the one where I was like, oh, what's going on here? And then every everything I watch, I'm like, this is good. Watch for all mankind. <laughs> yeah. It is really yeah, good. Yes. There you go. I, I that love is good. Mankind. Yes. All right. Well, in case anyone's interested, the uh, season five of Better Call Saul is on Netflix now, and I've been watching Ooh. that. Ooh, gotta yeah. Do that too. yeah. We ran I our review that. of the season six premiere today. Got a nice, oh. solid. Oh, uh, that's why it's on Netflix. They wait for it to. Yeah, wait for that's the new exactly season why. To come on. Smart. Oh, God, that show. I I could just look at that show. I could turn off all the dialogue and not know what's going on. It's cinematograph cinematographically. It's just one of the most beautiful shows ever, ever, ever put to digital. All right. Question. And it was oh. mired in weird. It was, it was locked away for anybody who was a, a cord cutter. Um, AMC yeah. had this weird setup where because they sold the rights to, to Netflix, it couldn't go on AMC plus. So you couldn't yep. even pay them to watch it. So it's yeah. good that season five is out and AMC plus has season six. So. Yeah. And it gives there me, even though it's all about like criminals and, and awful people, it gives me nostalgia for when I lived in the Southwest of the United States. So mm. that's, that tells you something. Did you live all in right. Albuquerque? I know. I actually lived in uh, uh, Alamogordo, New Mexico, you know, the oh. town that's most famous for having the landfill where they threw all the ET cartridges. Oh my God. Uh, you live near there. That's yeah. Amazing. I lived on the air force base. I was actually, I, one of my early stories that I pitched to one up was to go and dig those up because I was pretty sure I knew where the uh, where the landfill was. Oh my and then God. IGN went and did it like five years later. So yeah. Wow. Could have made history. I I it, it's a long story, but basically it was came down to budget. So oh ah, always yeah. always yeah. budget. Well, what can you do? Hey, hey, that speaking of budget, go check out my budget to best episode, uh, where I talk about three great switch 
controller alternatives to the Joy-Con and the Pro Controller. And that's actually a really cool tech series that we do. And I would love it if you checked it out and then uh, left a comment about it and say mm-hmm. how you like my smile. That was an incredible segue. Good job. That was really good. Hey, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I've been excellent. waiting this whole show mm-hmm. to just like, find Somebody say budget. Somebody say budget. Yes, I know. Yeah. I, budget. If you're watching. <laughs> 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 All right. We have time for one question block, which is a surprise to no one. Jonathan Stokely, what a cool name, asks, is there a game slash franchise that you should love because on paper it takes all the boxes, but you can't connect with it no matter how many times you try. And this is an easy one for me, which is why I picked it because the answer is Fire Emblem. I should love Fire Emblem and I can never ever get into it no matter how hard I try. And it's not that I leave it feeling angry or upset or I'm like, well, this is overrated, which is what seems to be what everybody says when they actually don't like something that it's everybody else's fault for overrating it i just can't get into it so i'm sorry i'll keep trying pair is do you have a a a scenario or excuse me a situation like this yeah look i mean i i don't i i enjoy them but never love the the warriors games I'm, i'm just not a dynasty warriors um fan and and even though i love fire emblem and i'm totally into it and have played every game in the series and i love zelda i i'm never able to kind of play war the warriors games and appreciate them for what they're trying to do um and then i would say like just at the very top are i'm i should love demon souls and dark souls because they do um borrow a lot of elements from zelda games and i love the setting and the look and the monsters and all of that i just can never get into them Mm. should try Elden Ring. It got me into that. I I, genre, I, so. I started with Elden Ring. It's just it's a casualty of time right now. But oh, yeah. I am planning to play more. Excellent, Cat. What about you? What what uh, game do you should you love but don't? I often find that it's a matter of time. Like if I just keep pushing and be like, eventually I'm going to get into this, and eventually I'm going to become invested. That's for me is Hollow Knight right now. I've tried like three times. Wow to mm. properly get into Hollow Knight. And every time I stall out around the same time, it is a beautiful, atmospheric, really well done game that for whatever reason, hasn't quite hit me to the point where I'm like, I have to keep playing this. So I'm kind of hopeful that I can pick it up again really soon. And there can be come a point where I go, okay, I get it. I get Hollow Knight now. But people talk about it in such lavish terms like they're like oh, yeah. i love this game and i've played it like a hundred times and i'm still trying to get to that point one day mm-hmm. i admire <laughs> it i have so much admiration for hollow knight but i haven't hit the tipping point with it yet very interesting alex do you have an example i do like hollow knight uh but i will this is less so a, a game that i've tried very a game series that i've tried very hard to get into and more so just that i haven't invested the time uh, I feel like I would be really into Mass Effect if I really just sat down and got into it because I love that's Dragon. a good one. Yeah. yeah, I love Dragon Age. I love I love romance arcs. I love all of that, and I just never have really sat down and gotten into it. It's going to be one of those things where I'll take a week off sometime and just start playing it. Legendary yeah. Edition is very good. And yeah, that seems like the a- opportunity to get into it. And if you're just really struggling to connect with the original Mass Effect. I think that you can just do the motion comic and go straight to Mass Mass Effect 2. <laughs> and Mass Effect 2 is 
we can have a lot of debates about it, but Mass Effect 2 is definitely the more accessible of them. And mm. that's honestly when I really got into the series. So nice. Yeah. Do we love them? That's another yep. one that I've been meaning to get into. Um, I almost said The Last of Us because I could not get into The mm. Last of Us, but on paper, it doesn't tick any of the boxes of a game that I would connect to because I like games Did you- where. Did you play the second one? Well, why would I play the second one? I didn't get into the first mm, one. So, because the first one, I felt like the first one I finished and I enjoyed its craft, but I felt like it was almost oppressively depressing. Like it was. No, it wasn't that. It, it was. It's just because I don't generally like games that are basically uh, a movie that you have to do things to get to the mm. next part of the movie. Like I don't okay. like. I don't like crate and ladder puzzles when uh i'd rather just watch a movie if i want to get a great that's why i'm saying the second one does a lot of things differently there's even a mini open world segment in the middle and all of that like the second one is just a really remarkable game when it comes to like character interactions but the core gameplay is actually also a lot better it feels like metal gear in a lot of ways like the stealth gameplay and stuff i never i was never able to get into the original last of us and i liked last of us 2 a lot my okay all right the people who loved last of us hated last of us 2 and the people who didn't particularly care for last of us kind of loved the last of us 2 interesting right. enough so well, it's, i know it's... like the whole story of last of us so i guess i could there you go try yep. so. yeah this the second one just does much more with the gameplay and there are elements where the game almost felt feels like resident evil 4 there's like weird mm. boss fights that feel more metal gear and yeah. resident evil 4 oh, like yeah. this yeah I, okay i'm gonna have to try i think this. it's really really good all right i'll give it a a shot. I, a I, shot. Won't. I won't give it yeah. a shot. Whatever. Maybe I will. It's, it's always on sale, which is which is nice. I like that. The remake's coming. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the original Last of Us again when the remake comes out because yep. maybe I'll like it now. Is that been confirmed? In it. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those what? games where I'm like, do we need a remake yet? But you know, yeah, that game's that's a PlayStation Three game. the The original one came. Well, out the on PS4 remaster still feels kind of like new at this yeah. point. Yeah, but yeah. I'm I'm fine with the remake. Let's yeah. let's go. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for this week's NVC. Follow us on Twitter at NVC Podcast. Submit your question block questions on the NVC Facebook group. Thank you to Alex for joining us at the like literal last minute. Actually, it was, a, yeah. I was like two minutes late to asking you, but I appreciate it so much. <laughs> thank you. You were awesome on the show. Um, I want to thank Kate on the ones and twos. And most of all, I want to say thank you to you for hanging out with us. And remember, NVC is the only place where you can get the thing. Get the thing. Get the thing. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.